All right, on this episode number 72 of the Holy Ruckus podcast, Josh here in your ear, and uh, we are talking to Mike Lewis of Where Peter Is. That blogging site has uh, been really good here in the DMV, in the DC metro area, so it's been, and it's uh, and it's everywhere, and, and it's something that I really wanted to do. God, Mike is a friend, and so yeah, we're bringing him on the podcast to talk to Father Pat and I, and you are listening to the Holy Ruckus. If you like it, uh, please do share, comment. Got a question for Mike and I and Father? Let us know in the comments. But here we go. Thanks so much for listening to the Holy Buckets podcast. And let me begin. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Hello, hello. What's going on, guys? Glad hey. to be here. How you doing? Hanging in, hanging in. I just got done with some uh, some socially distant football practice, if you could call it that. I'm a football coach uh, just for fun, uh, on top of being a teacher. So I've been busy there, chasing uh, chasing kids, working with them on their techniques. So it's different from being at home and not working on technique and chasing little ones around at my house. So it's great. Uh, how are you? Guys, I'm so great. I, I'm I'm thrilled that we're having this uh this conversation today. It's uh it's my perfect fall day out there. <laughs> Not that I'm in it right now, but I will be shortly. Um, yeah, I'm I'm having a great week. And folks, we are uh joined by by Mike Lewis. I almost said father. Father Lewis. Mike. That's the other. That's the other Lewis. We have a brother who is Mike. the other Father Pat. Yes, True. yes. Talk, uh, please. Uh, welcome to the Holy Ruckus podcast. You are uh been on our list of we gotta get you on here for the longest. And really? so we're happy to have you. Uh tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh what's going on? Yeah, so um first of all, I want to thank you for having me. Um I know you and Father Pat and the other contributors. Um, I know you had another Mike. You had Mike Tenney uh, recently, and um, and he's also written for you guys. And I had I actually had him on a podcast about two or three weeks ago, uh, promoting his new podcast or uh, YouTube show, Pop Culture Catechism. So check it out. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, a little bit of background. Um, like both of you, I grew up in you know the Maryland suburbs and um, practicing Catholic my whole life. And um, during the, uh, from 2010 to about 2017, I worked for the USCCB and um, around 2011 or so, um, I was starting to get um, more involved with my parish, more involved with my faith. Um, our friend, Father Dan Leary, obviously at St. Andrews, which is where I got to know you, Josh. And um, I met Father Pat as a, uh, 18 or 19 year old college seminarian. That's right. Um, <laughs> at the seminarian picnic, uh, my brother was uh, a few years ahead of you. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I, you know, it's funny because I think I, I traveled a, a journey of faith that's that's similar to uh, you know a lot of our peers and a lot of the people we know. Where 
um, you know, grew up deeply embedded in the faith and really focused on the rules and doctrine and right and wrong. And all of those things are, are true and great, but there was a, a pastoral aspect that was, that I, that I finally tapped into. I think it's actually started through reading um, some of the things that Pope Benedict wrote um, on personal encounter, friendship with Christ, um, you know, the idea of doctrine without love. Um, all of those things started to, to influence my faith life. And then um, when Father Dan came to St. Andrews, I actually saw a priest who was really putting that into action. Like he was meeting with people one-on-one -on -one, people going through all kinds of problems in their life and, and, you know, encountering them and accompanying them and getting to know them. Like, I mean, for me up until that point, a priest was always kind of like my relationship with the priest would be like, you know, he has good homilies. He was nice to me after mass. He was nice at grandma's funeral. Um, mm -hmm. We had him over to dinner two times, you know, I, I don't golf, but you know, people golf with the priest and I never really saw in retrospect, a priest as a father. Um, and I, I, so I sort of entered into that, became more active in daily mass, became more active in um, the parish and serving the community. And meanwhile, you know, money troubles and more and more kids are coming along. And so really started to lean on my faith in that way and also got to, um, was one of the beneficiaries of, of Father Dan's pastoring because you know there were some some rough financial times in there, and um, and yeah. So then when Pope Francis got elected, and his immediate gestures, you know, washing um, what washing people's feet on on Holy Thursday in a prison, um, just you know, I mean, we remember when he was first elected, all these all these things that just sort of like were wow. And it's not to say anything against Pope Benedict. I mean, Pope Benedict was just a, a shyer person um, and, and just had a different approach to things. But Pope Francis also, I, for those of us who are blabbermouths, I think we can relate to the extroversion of, of Pope Francis a little bit. Um, so it was like, wow, this is really just taking my faith to a new level. I was reading his homilies every day. And um, to some degree, I appreciated his little anecdotes and his irreverence and saying, you know, we don't want to be, um, you know, one time he said like a bat-like Christian who hangs upside down in the dark in a cave. And 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 it wasn't until about a year or two after that, that uh, after his election, that it dawned on me, like I started to notice these criticisms, these little critiques. Um, and I think it was at the end of 2013 when, um, the joy of the gospel came out, um, which was his first apostolic exhortation, which sort of laid out his pastoral vision for the church. And it was really talking about how, yeah, we have, we have the truth. We have the gospel. How do we bring it to people most effectively nowadays? And I've always had a mix of Catholic friends and secular friends. Like all of my secular friends are starting to pay attention to the Pope, you know, for the first time ever. And, um, you know, but my Catholic friends are starting to like, well, he, he says some things that are a little concerning or, you know, he might say like, God loves you to, you know, somebody, um, 
and and doesn't say, but this thing that you're doing is doctrinally <laughs> <What> incorrect. <mean? laughs> exactly. And they're saying it's confusing. And it's like I, I sort of no, felt like I was on the I was I was on the wavelength, I thought, but this started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then um I you know, the big thing that happened was Amoris Letizia, his um on Marriage and the Family came out, and all of a sudden people are just outright saying he's a heretic. Um yeah. And that just really blew my mind. And, and you know, I, I was still working at the Bishop's Conference at the time, so I wasn't public about what I was witnessing. But, um, you know, I was starting to talk to some of the leadership there about, like, you know, I'm starting to see a lot of people in, hello, um, starting to see a lot of people <laughs> in our, in my, uh, you know, Catholic community starting to really question this stuff. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was going back and forth with people in Facebook groups and stuff and um, spending too much time doing that. And then, but it was like, this is, this is going to get out of hand if, if this doesn't, you know, really pick up or if someone really doesn't address it. And then, so I was hopeful that, you know, the, the Bishop's conference might be able to, to address this in some way. And unfortunately, just completely out of the blue in the middle of 2017, I was laid off. Yeah. And I, 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 I was pulled into the meeting and I thought, I mean, silly me, I thought I was getting a promotion <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, you know, we're doing, as you know, we're, because there was a reason they kept telling us there was a restructuring coming and how great it was going to be. And I had been asked like what I was going to, you know, what I was interested in doing in the new structure. And I, you know, so I, um, so it was just, I mean, it was devastating. Like I, I it was sort of like, well, what am I going to do on Monday? Like, where am I going to go? And I felt like I had a little bit of a voice to share. You know, there were things that I, I felt like, you know, people are like, oh, you don't want to work for the church anyway, or, you know, you don't. And I was, I was sort of like, yeah, but for me, like, this has been my passion and, and there's something, you know, there's all, there's a real void, I think that needs to be filled. And so along the way, I had sort of gotten a group of, of three other guys who we had conversed about the church and issues and, you know, had thought things through and asked questions of each other. And um, we started saying to each other, you know, maybe we should like start a group blog or something like that. And then so, you know, we started to think about names and and what the approach would be and what the voice would be and i mean and so the things that we we definitely honed in on were we wanted to be faithful to the magisterium mm. we wanted to be supportive of pope francis and we wanted to address people who came from similar backgrounds as we did who put you know the same priority on um, on Catholic Church teaching, on fidelity to the church, but they were having problems with Pope Francis. And I didn't see anyone really out there other than an, an occasional article here or there um, that would really explain, you know, it was either the far left that maybe had like a, a heterodox agenda. Like, oh, he said this about, he said this about women. This means he wants women priests. And the traditionalist side was saying, oh, he said this about women. That means he wants women priests. You know, it was, they, they were all pushing the <laughs> Strange same bedfellows. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, but, and nobody is filling in that gap of, of putting things into context, explaining what he's really uh -huh. saying, explaining that, okay, this, yes, this is a shift, but it's not a departure from the gospel. 
Um, you know, certain yeah. things like that, like, uh, you know, the idea of washing women's feet. I mean, there, there are two ways to look at it. One of them is it's a symbol of the first priest being ordained at the Last Supper. The other is the symbol of Christ the servant. Well, if you focus on Christ the servant, that applies to men and women. You know, and and, and I so to, and whereas people are saying he wa he's washing women's feet, he's a heretic. And it's like, no, there's an explanation for this that's perfectly in context with mm. the gospel, with tradition. And so we started this little group blog in early 2018. So there was some thinking throughout 2017 of how this was going to come about. Um, we picked the name where Peter is. And I know you were going to ask me about it, uh, <laughs> Josh, but I'll just go into it. Yeah, there go are... for it, man. Yeah, talk about it. Before, He's anticipated us. Yes. <laughs> He's on to us. It's almost as if... As if you told me the questions ahead of time. Yeah. It's almost as if there's like a toolbar with notes on it. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yes, we yeah. planned somewhat on the Holy Records. A little bit. <laughs> Okay, so um, two reasons. Well, three reasons. The first reason is we didn't want the name to be Pope Francis only. Related, yeah. Um, really what it is, is it's, it's fidelity to the papacy, to what the church teaches about the papacy, fidelity to the Pope. Um, and I assume, I fully plan on whoever his successor is that we will... Uh, do what we can to contextualize uh, his teaching and his acts with tradition. Um, and and I've said, you know, if I'm unable to do it, I'll hand it off to somebody who can. Because I'm that like this. That's what this brand is. And humans are weak. You know, there I, I, there was a guy on who uh, was a blogger, and his blog was called Protect the Pope, but now he doesn't believe that Francis is even actually the Pope anymore. <laughs> so it's Pope Michael. It, well, it was Pope, it, it, you know, it was, he wanted to protect Pope Benedict, you know, and then when Ooh. Pope Francis came along, it's like all of a sudden protect the Pope, you know, it's, I'm not gonna, I, it's uh -huh. like some, you know, so the thing is, it's like, whatever my personal failings are, this is a brand that exists to promote the Pope, to promote his message and vision and yeah. his papacy. Peter. And so the second yeah. thing, is so then we were trying I'm with to think, Apollos. I'm with yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that yeah, that's yeah, the Society of uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, or <laughs> yeah, know. right, yeah. Um, <laughs> SSB, no, I, anyway. Um, so that's my club. XVI. Yeah, no, and I mean, I was a Benedict. The funny thing is, almost every contributor to our website is or, uh... is a Benedict. Fan. And it's just sort of I, like the Benedict fans that are left over that still like the Pope. It's you know. I thought just... I thought you. I it struck me that like when I when I met you and like early on in in uh, Francis's papacy, like when when I was over at St Andrews doing youth ministry, I remember you, Mike. I don't know. Were you kind of were like a little critical of, of France? I think like you weren't all in with him, were you? I don't know if that. <sighs> you know, I I, I don't. I think I was starting to be like. So. The process, I don't know if it was during his papacy or if it was, if it was after, I think there were a lot of people there who were, and I was kind of going along with it. What happened was I had a, a, another priest friend who was another father, Dan. We have a lot of priests that have the same first name, um, who, who I worked with at, at the USCCB. Um, 
and he's uh, he's back in Missouri. He's actually the chaplain of of uh, Mizzou, the University of Missouri now. Oh. Um, but I was like, so how do we know when the Pope is a heretic? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, when he teaches something like in an encyclical that does, or, or they have a, a council that doesn't uh, line up with uh, tradition. And he like looked at me like I had three heads. He's like, well, you know, if you're like sitting at a table like this and the Pope says something to you, that's like not magisterial. But, you know, here's what Lumen Gentium says about ascent you know, religious ascent and ascent of faith. And I read the CDF document by then Cardinal Ratzinger on um, the primacy of the Pope, the the mystery of, or the primacy of the successor of Peter in the mystery of the church is the title of the document that came out in 1998. And it had all these statements like, the Pope is the spokesman for the will of the Lord and the Pope is the rock that guarantees a vigorous fidelity to tradition and scripture. And, and so like, I'm reading this document and I'm like, well, but yeah, but what if he doesn't? And there's like no asterisks uh. next, to, <laughs> next to that. And then I started to read what like Pius IX and Pius X and um, Pope Leo and John Paul II, like John Paul II and I, I'm like three out of 10 into John Paul's um, series of audiences on uh, the papacy and the office of the papacy and what the papacy guarantees and what the papacy doesn't. And it was sort of like, wait a minute. So in terms of doctrine, like the Pope, it's not like up to us to decide if the Pope is Orthodox or not. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And to me, that was like a huge, like, it's not. Huge... <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought there was a book somewhere that was like, this is where the Pope, this is where you keep, this is how you keep the Pope in line, or this is when you're allowed to ignore. I just thought and, it was I mean, there... hyperlink to, to uh, church militant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought, yeah, I thought Michael Voris was like the Pope's like ombudsman or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And... <laughs> older, like, mm -mm -mm. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Marshall has taken it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to, to steer you away here, but the phrase where is Peter comes from where Peter is is a quote by uh Pope or by Saint Ambrose, who is the uh Archbishop of Milan, is a contemporary of Saint Augustine, so 300 yep. something. But his phrase is and and you probably know the Latin Father Pat, uh, Ubi Patriot, whatever. But it's where Peter is, there is the church, there is God. So when these types of conflicts come up, it's like, who do we look for, for the right answer on the faith? Who has the final word? Who puts his, who can put his foot down to say, okay, you guys are arguing about, you know, does Christ have one or two natures or does Christ have, you know, all the early councils. And it was basically came down to what did the Pope rule? And, um, and so that's one part of the name. So it's like, okay, here's this phrase. Another thing, and this is actually Pope Francis centric, is mm -hmm. during his trip to the Philippines, when he was about to, to fly back to Rome, Cardinal Tagle got up uh, on the stage and, and Pope Francis was sitting up there front and center to deliver an address to the Pope. And he opens it by saying, um, you know, dear Pope Francis, we love you. Um, we are going to miss you. We don't want you to leave. Therefore, the people of the Philippines are coming with you. 
<laughs> and so that got kind of the laugh line and, and Pope Francis looks up like, oh, you know, and he says, not to Rome, but to the periphery. Mm. And so this, the, the idea, the symbolism there going with you, going with like Pope Francis's focus on the periphery, we are going, you know, the, one of the purposes of the site is to go to those peripheries that, um, that Pope Francis is asking us to. Wow. And whoever the next Pope is, you know, whatever his areas of focus, that's, you know, we're, we're going to be right there with them. There you go. So. And you said the, and so I love, I always love hearing the origin stories always except X-Men. I didn't need the origin story. For <laughs> and then I was bitten by a spider. Yeah. No more Spider-Man origin stories, please. But no, but I will say, um, and, and you, you'd mentioned, so we got to move to the, the second point, but I wanted to just real quick, this comment, if you could, like, there's like, I don't know if it's, if it's George Weigel who, who, who wrote this or biographer for JP2, but it, I found it comical that they're like, uh, the next Pope, or he wrote a book on the next Pope after Francis. And then, and I know you didn't mean to, but you said, well, then whoever the next Pope is. And I'm like thinking like, is Pope Francis going somewhere? Like, is he? Yeah, I don't, I, I have no know. foreknowledge. I mean, he could live to be 113 and not resign <laughs> ever. Uh, early on in his papacy, he kind of gave hints that yeah, it was going to be short, it, but it's, you know, he would say three or four years and now we're in, getting close to eight um people taking bets i i did a podcast with with his biographer austin ivory oh wow um, about a week and a half ago and he said that he thinks fratelli tutti is going to be francis's final encyclical oh, now wow. i i don't and the other thing is so so austin has a book coming out december 1st called let us dream which is an interview book with Francis, but unlike the interview books with Benedict, it's not question and answer. Like it's been, is basically taking Francis's words and then formatting them into a book. And then, you know, with the explanation of this is how the book was made and Francis signed off on it and everything like that, but it's, it's a composition. Um, and so it's like, I don't know if he has any special knowledge. I don't know if, if, Francis is pl planning on resigning. I mean, he's spoken well of the idea of uh, a Pope resigning. I think, I think one of the things that Pope Benedict realized was the necessity of, of people today need to see and hear from their leaders. Um, you know, in the past there was no television, no radio, but, um, and you know, the King was in a castle and he could have been languishing away for like five years and they never heard anything about his health or, but it's like, I think he may see the Pope while it is, you know, obviously an office that's, that has certain charisms and certain um, authority. He might see the wisdom in passing it on. I, I don't know, but I, I I'm not right. speaking any kind of inside knowledge other than that oh, one statement. <laughs> like the Adam Schefter of like, there you go. but anyway, um, to this, like, so how it, What's the last 30 days been like as a blog site that's actually trying to cover some, you know, cover and you have writers that are dedicated to like talking about Pope Francis and talking about, and then you have bam, like double whammy. I mean, has it been a slow news month or what? It has been completely, you know, the funny thing is up until about a month, 
and a half ago, I think people probably didn't, people assumed that there's like this team working on it. And, and there is, I mean, I, there are writers, but it's like, I'm the sole copy editor or I was the sole copy editor. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I mean, they're all great writers, but it, you know, sometimes it's like some of them, like English maybe isn't their first language or things there, there are certain incomplete things. And so it's like, it would be a lot of work to, to get one post up, um, and, you know, doing it completely on, on, you know, tiny little Patreon donations and, and, and things like that. And I mean, I've been unemployed since uh, I had got another job, but I've been unemployed since March. So, I mean, COVID was because of COVID, but then there's that whole, um, you know, the stimulus. So I've, you know, and, and plus the other thing is my mom passed away in December and my dad had died before that. So it's like a little bit of a cushion, not that I want to dig into that, but you know, I, I, this, it was sort of like, now or never, you know, midlife crisis. I, I turned 40, you know, and so it was like, I kind of got it. Let's, let's give it a go. And that's when the podcast started, but um, yeah, no, it's been crazy. And I've made all the, and I've made all these connections and all these people are asking to like be on the podcast, but I was the only one editing the podcast and, you know, getting submissions from professors in Italy and Mexico and 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 it started off as a group blog with like four dudes you know and uh, and so that's but but it's just grown and I think people have taken to it and I've made a lot of friends that are you know around the church like Austin Ivory who's been a, a huge supporter and Christopher Lamb who's the Vatican correspondent for the tablet sure. um, and they've they've been really helpful and then um, when Fratelli Tutti came out, I have a friend who runs uh, sort of an online Catholic um, web conference meeting. So virtual conferences, which are big at this time, obviously. And he's like, we need to do a live event when Fratelli Tutti comes out. And I was like, okay, like a couple of weeks after. He's like, no, I want to do it that night. I want you guys to be Dang. the first ones. So I'll, I'll have you know, this is my second live event that I've ever participated in on the internet in my entire <laughs> life. And my very first one was a two hour, five to 7 PM, like grand opening for Fratelli Tutti. I had nine people cycled them in just like, just like you did. I didn't even know how to, how to, how to make people's heads shrink. I, I had to learn that on the fly, um, <laughs> but no, but I mean, we had professors, we had uh, Christopher Lamb from the streets of Rome who had covered the release of the encyclical and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, but then, yeah, one of the other things that we've been following and, you know, we try to be nonpartisan or we are nonpartisan. We try to make a distinction between if you discern in good conscience that you're going to vote for this candidate based on Catholic principles, that's okay. Uh, or, you know, that's your, that's between you and God. Um, but there was, there was something cropping up, you know, this, I guess you'd call it Catholic Trumpism where he mm -hmm. becomes a hero. You know, they're not recognizing the things that he's saying that are, um, that are contrary to Catholic teaching. And it was kind of, and the fact that people like Taylor Marshall were brought in, into the campaign and that Vigano is 
saying that he is that you know Trump is the forces of light and Francis or you know Bergoglio as he calls him is the is the forces of darkness. It was like, and to see this widely shared and dispersed was you know something that we've you know one of our contributors David Lafferty he um, has a PhD in like early reactionary movements in the 20th century, so conspiracy theories are like his thing. Mm -hmm. And to see QAnon being adopted by Catholics unironically was was a little scary. And then, of course, I, yeah. Do you think that's, I mean, I, I think that's a really astute uh, <laughs> hot take as it might be. It's it's very, I think it's on the button. Is that what's, is that what's going on? Is that what's happening that like the, the, the church, the way we read like the church, like I'm, I'm with uh I'm with Francis. I'm with Benedict. This like, you know, the false dichotomies that some get times get bandied about. Do you think that's what's feeding it? It's like just our our natural inheritance from like American politics that like we can't help ourselves. Like that's just that's the junk food that we that we like consume all the time that we have to be d divided into different camps and like compartmentalized in in our in our views. Like what how do you, how 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 would you explain that the phenomenon of like uh, <laughs> division. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I wrote about recently was sort of in, I think after the 2012 election. Um, so before Pope Francis, I just, it just sort of dawned because I was a political news junkie and I was very partisan and I was very like, who's going to win and who's this going to advantage? And, oh, this issue's not that important because, you know, that's the other side's issue. And I decided just to take a step back from party politics altogether. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing the things that I've written or tweeted that have been criticisms of specific positions where people say, do you want to help so-and-so win the election? And mm -hmm. that, like, that's the farthest thing from my mind when I'm pointing out, you know, this person's position stinks, you know? And it's like, I'm not mm -hmm. saying who you should vote for because they both have things that stink. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's something embedded, these party loyalties. And I would like to see, rather than Catholics get sucked in um, by the ideology, like on, on the Republican side supporting um, the death penalty, for example. Um, and, and of course, right before the election, the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, in be day in between two executions, gives an award to, to Bill Barr. Meanwhile, the Democratic Party is is terrible on abortion. And it's like, it, but if you talk about that issue, one side is going to jump down your throat for undermining a candidate. Don't flood the comments, folks. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see them. So I don't know. <laughs> but I think I, that's right. I think that I think the lens that we view a lot of uh, a lot of church moves you know, is is basically a consequent, a natural consequent of um, how we've been brought up in a very um, in a very partisan society. <laughs> you know, it's unavoidable. Like even if like our, our little, little children don't understand like what's going on or like how someone comes up with a position, a policy position, you know, they do understand lawn signs, you know, like our <laughs> children can figure out like what, what a lawn sign means. Like I'm for this person, you know? Yeah. And uh, cause, cause I remember doing that growing up and I was like, you know, why, 
how do you even choose? Like, how do you choose like which lawns to put to put in your yard? And I think that there's a lot of times um, I'm bar- I'm borrowing on probably wiser people than my than my own think- thinking, but no worries, I think I'll... there's a lot of times when we want we want somebody to tell I want somebody to tell me like, dude, Pat, here's what you need to think. Like, dude, just think this. Like, you go with me. You know, and so it is easier to just rely upon um, a cult of personality or like your personal connections and relations, your proximity to like, you know, someone's someone else's views before I do the, the harder work of like figuring out where where are my views and perhaps the most hard work, which is like, why does the church think that way? <laughs> like, why does the papacy think that way? So where real- Peter is. So I love, I always love talking to, and I'll put you in that group, Mike. I always love talking to artists, uh, you know, people who, who run, you know, their little uh, mom pop shops or blogs, or we had um, the family behind proud Catholic uh, company that was here. I talked to Mike Tenney, who's a musician ministry leader, right? Uh, I always love hearing about the process of how um, they go about it. And you alluded to it already uh, in terms of uh, what, you know, how you choose to cover something or right, not falling into the box of partisanships and all that. Um, but what do you do when, I mean, the recent stuff that happens with the, the McCarrick report, what, what take us through, like, what was that like? Not like, you know, the moment that that thing drops and you, and you see it and you've known about it I and mean, we've known about it for, you know, last, last few years, you know, but it finally the Vatican drops this in the middle of, you know, all this other storms of stuff. And we could say what we want about that. If that's a conversation for another time or another place, but specifically your process of how you guys cover something like that. It's so interesting. Like, take me through it. Like, where were you when you found out what'd you do? Who do you call? Who do you text? What do you do to get something in line to put something out? Cause you know, everybody wants to be first, right? But mm. you also are coming at it from a different angle. So I'm interested in uh, where Peter is his role in that, in the process. Yeah. So obviously everyone knew, it was coming and I was keeping an eye on keeping an eye constantly. Like when, what's the next hint that it's going to come out. I would pester my friends who had Vatican connections if they knew when it was coming out, because I like everyone, I was getting frustrated. Um, Then it finally was, uh, it dropped on Tuesday and I knew it was going to drop early. And I knew that there was going to be like an embargoed summary that came out at 7 a.m and it was gonna drop at 8 a.m. So I had a couple of people lined up who said they were willing to maybe slip that embargoed summary to me. <laughs> but then at um, about 3.30 in the morning, and this is where insomnia pays off, I was, I was working on something, I was auto- editing audio, I got a text from, from Austin Ivory. And he said, hey, I'm writing uh, my response to the McCarrick report. Do you want to run it in where Peter is once the embargo's over? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, we'll see if it's up to our editorial standards. Um, and then, <laughs> so then as the day wore on, it's like I wanted to um, work through, I wanted to see the different responses. I didn't want to just sort of leave that one, um, you know, that came out at 8, 830 um, that we posted that. Meanwhile, our group of core writers, three or four of them were like, I'm going to read it straight through when it comes out. 400 so, pages? 
450, 49 pages. Yeah, so they were cranking mm -hmm. through it. Um, I had already talked to Christopher Lamb about doing a podcast on, you know, after it came out. And so it's like, I'm juggling all these balls. I'm like, is anybody going to write anything about it? I mean, so I'm working with volunteers, right? And so it's, it's sort of like, I can't push them do do to, to do more than, yeah, well, I mean, you, you. I do done... it too, but not when things are as hot as this. I mean, here you have, you know, the, the sex abuse scandal with McCarrick and, and that's what we're talking about, right? For folks that don't know, right? Uh, McCarrick, uh, credible stuff about what people knew, um, mm. It is insane, but keep going, keep going. Yeah, so um, so I, I wanted to to at least I had and at this point I hadn't read a word of it. Like it's been out, but you know, maybe someone maybe I saw some screenshots on Twitter or read some um commentary and and but I was like, okay, well who who has a good response that's up? So I sort of did a scour of the web, I checked different websites, I posted a, a links site with reactions, including yeah. yeah. No, sorry, real quick. Because Father Pat, that leads into your question: Who do you trust? Who do you go to in terms of websites or resources, Pat? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm always curious of like how people because it's actually part of my job is is I'm, um, I'm very comfortable with telling people when I don't know something, <laughs> and I think that's a good pastoral skill that was imbued in me, <laughs> probably from people telling me like you don't know anything, Pat, <laughs> along the way. But I I I like to. Um, and I think I have, you know, a vested interest in, in like steering people away from things that are in, inflammatory or at least bad for their souls. Right. Cause yeah. like this, this covers a whole range of topics really, but how are you, how are you going about sourcing your, you know, your information you and trust. I'm not asking you to name your sources per se. But, uh... <laughs> well, like there are certain people that I take everyone with a grain of salt when it comes to commentary. And take me with a grain of salt when it comes to oh, my my commentary. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think I think that there are certain sites that are certain and certain uh, media outlets that are um, institutional for one thing. I mean, when it comes, uh, I, I I mean, I like Bishop Barron is very faithful to the magisterium, very faithful to the Pope. He doesn't appeal to the Catholic left per se, but he's you know. So the, he's in kind of that that milieu. Um, I find, you know, the, I, I think CNS is really good in terms of journalism, in terms of checking their facts, in terms of of getting their stories. They don't do they don't they don't do a ton of commentary, but um, I, I find that their professionalism is very good. Um, and there are, I mean. You know, obviously, Chris. I, I'm friends with with Chris Lamb and Austin Ivory, so I, I I tend to go to them first, and and obviously posted posted with. And I find that that they are very Catholic and very rooted in fidelity to the Church, and they're simply trying to reflect what Pope Francis is saying without the spin. Mm -hmm. Um, it if and the McCarrick report, like we did a, a podcast with uh, Christopher Lamb, and I was asking some tough questions. I was I was sort of like didn't Pope Francis say he hadn't heard anything about McCarrick yet? The report here says that he, that, that he had heard the rumors. Like that's a discord. Like he should clarify that. Um, you, Cardinal Farrell said something similar. I think Cardinal world needs to go on the record and explain a couple of things. Not that it was any, um, but it's like, let's take a frank look at, at what this is. I mean, another controversy was the, the civil unions. And what I uh, Pope Francis interview, mm -hmm. yeah, and and it's like I even without knowing that the video was manipulated, 
or edited. I recognized it as two separate statements that he was making because I knew that he had um, backed civil union laws in Argentina under specific circumstances. And I had heard him say, everyone has a right to a family. So, I mean, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but it was like, I was like, he's saying two different things here, guys. And this is this, and this is this. And then, whereas obviously it's like, the Pope, the Pope approves gay unions. Great. The Pope approves gay, gay unions. No, you know, it, it was sort of like, <laughs> right. there's, there's Strange a nuance bedroom. here. There's a, there's a pastoral. We love people without the butt every time. Mm. Um, and, and then on top of that, it's like, how do we deal with this secular society that's going this way? And we've got a church yeah. that teaches this. What's a realistic response that mm. isn't going to turn us into, uh, you know, just people barking at, at, you know, at the government. So. So then how does, mm. um, so, so, oh, Father Pat, did you have something else before? Well, I, I'm, I'm quickly figuring out, Mike, that there's both conversations that i'd love to have off camera <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> offline where where, where uh, of supporters <laughs> that's right yeah, either premium content or like um you know mike mike lewis tells all where uh we don't have to worry or i i don't have to worry so much about like <laughs> the implications of, <laughs> of 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 such you know chattiness but also um just a, a heartfelt uh thank you i don't want to you know I'm not, I'm not the speed bump for the conversation. Keep, keep things rolling as they are. I'm going to excuse myself to be, to, to do my job as dispenser of God's mercy. Go. Um, but whenever we do this part two, cause I'm feeling part two coming, or at least like a continuing recurring kind of uh, back and forth, you know, working relationship, like I'm all in, I, this has been incredibly uh, uh a gift to me on on a Saturday that was already pretty awesome. So, well, thank you. It's been a while. How's the new parish? It's been like a year and a half now. Or, no, how long has it been? I could tell you that I, in these digs, I've been here since July, and okay. it's it's like home away from home. It's um, as a Moco boy, I, I had you know very little you know familiarity with PG, and now I'm not sure I want to leave. Um, although I left part of my heart down in St. Mary's County. So, you know, that's just another story for, for another day, but, uh, Oh, it's awesome, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm the luckiest priest in the diocese. Best of luck to you. God there bless. You, go. Good Hi, God God bless. you are out. Oh, finally. No, just kidding. Um, no, but <laughs> second, like, so then how does that happen with, I mean, obviously like, let's make no bones about it. Like the, the, the report by the Vatican name drops, you know, juicy name drops uh, 300 plus times. Um, St. John Paul II, right? Uh, name drops, um, Benedict, my guy, someone that I, I love reading Benedict, and it hurts to, to see 181 times name dropped or, or whatever else. Um, what, how does, I mean, because again, the inception, uh, from what I gathered from what you said earlier of, of where Peter is, is this kind of like, let's, let's talk about the paper through the chair of Peter, let's defend it, let's trust it. And yet, so where is that line? Like, you know, and we're not going to say, oh, this is fraudulent or whatever. Like, that's for another conversation, another thing. But like, where, because I ask myself, like, where, like, I, I switch it a little bit where Peter is. Like, I say, like, well, where is the chair of Peter now? Like, when it comes to this kind of thing. I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question because there, there actually is no guarantee that the Pope is going to be a good guy or a good administrator or super holy 
or make the best personnel decisions. Um, where, where we are safe, at least according to Lumen Gentium and Vatican One, and is when the Pope teaches something to the entire church as Pope on faith and morals. So that, I mean, so in that sense, and because people talk about the bad popes from you know, Alexander the Sixth, the Borgia popes, right and, yeah. um, and they were, you know, morally terrible, but they didn't teach error. And, and that's, you know, that doesn't change if you don't like what the new Pope is teaching. Um, but in terms of, was it a mistake to promote McCarrick? Obviously, for John Paul promoted him three or four times and made him a cardinal. Um, when Benedict, so, and then in 2006, 2007, when Benedict was Pope, they settled these uh, civil lawsuits um, in New Jersey. Basically, it was against adults. So it wasn't, I guess it wasn't technically a, cr a crime or against youth. And they decided to put forward these, basically told him to lay low, but he didn't follow this at all. Um, yeah, he still traveled. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, and actually Father Pat was there because it was my brother's diaconate ordination. It was October, 2011. So Benedict was still Pope. Vigano had already become Nuncio in DC. And in St. Peter's in Rome, there's Cardinal McCarrick can celebrating the mass right next to Cardinal Leveda, who was the head of the CDF at the time. Like it's so I, and I re, I had been thinking like, so a couple months earlier was when the McCarrick revelations came out and I'm thinking in my head when the Vigano thing came out saying he was under house arrest, I had already thought like, when was the last time I saw McCarrick? And I was like, Oh yeah, we saw him in Rome. And that was then, you know, so then when, then when Vigano comes out with the, so he greatly exaggerated what, you know, what kind of restrictions there were or whether anyone was paying any attention to them. Um, but in terms of like, and I wrote yesterday, last night, in terms of John Paul with the promotions, I think he clearly trusted McCarrick. He did not think McCarrick had done these things. And three New Jersey bishops, two of whom were eyewitnesses to inappropriate behavior, uh, wrote letters vouching for McCarrick's character um, and then McCarrick himself had written a, or signed or swore something or, that he, or on his office of, of the episcopacy, like exactly awful, awful, awful. And he played everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, you break McCarrick down psychologically, but I think he, he justified, like he drew a line in his head that was, and it was sort of like, well, I never crossed this line and therefore it's, it's okay. Sort of like the teenagers, like how far is too far <laughs> kind of, yeah. kind of thing. And for some, he just, now that didn't change the lives he ruined. That didn't yeah. change the scandal that this has created. Um, but I think, I don't think he realized which a lot of predators don't, they, they don't realize how bad um, what they're doing is. Right. And so in, I think in, uh, Francis's or in John Paul's case, I think it was, it was missed. He just misplaced his trust. And I mean, he, but he did that a lot of times. So there was a blind spot. It doesn't, doesn't mean he's not a saint. It doesn't mean that he wasn't holy. It means he made serious errors in judgment. Um, 
I mean, I don't think if he had really believed he had done this, he would have promoted him. Now, Benedict was a little bit different because there were obviously these civil lawsuits. Apparently, he forced McCarrick to retire from Washington once this happened and ordered him to lay low, but nothing formal. And I think because he was pushing 80 and because he was retired, it was sort of like, well, let's just move on from this, I guess. Um, and then when uh, Francis became Pope, you know, the, finally a minor came forward uh, to the Archdiocese of New York and then everything else came pouring out. And in retrospect, something should have been done long ago. It seems that, I mean, I, I don't know if you were aware of the, the Beach House rumors until it I came out. Um, not, I mean, not that but like I've heard I'd heard those yeah I mean I had heard them too but but on the other hand they're saying here's your here's your archbishop like he, he's your archbishop he deserves the reason and so it's like well is it true is it not true I, I mean when it's like people say everybody knew everybody heard but only certain people knew only certain people had spoken to an eyewitness and obviously Pope Francis, or not, uh, obviously Pope John Paul had not heard, um, or or he didn't, he had heard, but he didn't know, or he thought it was untrue. And and that's tough, and it's not like we can ask him, right? It's not, yeah. Let's put him on record. Like, you know, and, and yeah, there's so, many more, so much more, but I want to bring it back to what you said. You're like, here's what we can't guarantee. We can't guarantee the fact that the whoever is sitting in the chair of Peter, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and do awful things. We've seen it throughout history. We've had as many as three popes at the same time. We've had yeah. uh, Julius II. We have so many like popes that have done dastardly things. And yet what can we guarantee as a church for those that are, are watching, listening, like, cause I had it. I, I, I teach, I'm teaching church history right now, right. Church history in my, in my school. And you can't help it. Talk about current events because we're talking about the Protestant Reformation as well. And, and so we're talking about Protestant Reformation, talking about Luther and the gripes he had, right? Valid ones and then the not so valid ones and everything else. And then you can't help but say like, well, has the church learned its lesson? And then you go into the present and my kids are like, my students are just like, what the heck? Like this guy is my confirmation saint. Yeah. What, what can we get? Like, because- we, I mean, the number of John Pauls in our, you know- between oh your God. age and my age. How many kids are named after this cat? You know, but, but it, you know, it goes like this. It's like, wait, did you name your kid John Paul? No, I don't have a John Paul. Okay. No, no, me. No. But, you know, but for those that do, like, what is the, what can we rest in security and in safety with? And, and I want to bring that to you because that's where people are like wrestling. Like, yes, we want accountability. We don't want to, we don't want to be supportive of the clericalism and all this other stuff. But at the same time, how how should we how ought we look at the chair of peter how ought we look at the statement of where peter is there's the church like how 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 can we look at that now does it change obviously it doesn't but it's harder it's yeah harder Go i mean it's it's brought a different uh, definitely it's been a wake-up call um however in terms of francis's papacy as a whole because I mean, obviously, probably a lot of people that you that you know 
can't stand Pope Francis and think he's teaching error or whatever. Um, the the definition of schism is refusal of submission to the Supreme Pontiff. It's like breaking communion with the Pope. Now he has disciplinary authority. He has um, doctrinal authority. Um, you know, if, if, if you're hanging out with him and he, and he says, Hey, let's go rob a bank together. That's not, you know, that would make a good movie. Um, but it, in terms of doctrinal communion, um, that's, that's really where it, it stands. We can disagree there. Like it's not the purpose of our site, but um, there are areas of prudential disagreement where you can disagree with the Pope. Like, for example, I bring up that um, the, the foot washing issue. You can think that that was a terrible idea. You can think it should only be men. That he washes the feet of. But you, but to say he's a heretic because he says we can wash women's feet, yeah. that is crossing a line. And, and, that's, and that's, to me, the, the line that's been dangerous. Because, like, there's a, a blogger, um, his name is Larry Chapp. And he's a professor, and I think he he lives in Pennsylvania on a Dorothy Day farm or something like that. And you can tell by reading him, he cannot stand Pope Francis <laughs> personally. But in, in terms of doctrine, in terms of authority, in terms of the papacy, we're in total agreement. Now I'm trying to get him to like Francis better, but <laughs> you know, but and I, I can totally get if you like one pope better than another for whatever reason. But there are certain lines that for a Catholic to be infidelity with the magisterium and, you know, catechism CCC 100 is the magisterium. That is the pope and the bishops in communion with him. Um, you've got to give a, you've got to give doctrinal deference. And, and it might even be he, let's say he's um, teaching something a certain way that you prefer the other way, like remember the change on limbo for example. And people are always like, well, you can still believe in it. Yeah, because the church has taught that limbo is a possibility that you can believe in. And you can also, but also you can put your hope that a child that dies unbaptized, you, you entrust them to the mercy of God and hope for their salvation. You can still say, I believe in limbo, but you can't say, I believe in limbo and you're a heretic for believing what the Pope said you can, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's the difference. Totally. And so the guarantee, like for me as well, like in, in wrapping this up, because, you know, it, it's, it's a dark, you know, it's a, it's a smudge, it's a dark time. And you think about the victims who, who aren't mentioned, you know, at all in the report and, and, and all these opinions that I have about like it being a hit piece and, you know, everybody who's guilty is dead or canonized. <laughs> um, but it's like, the guarantee here is like, where, where are you orienting your trust in and where, where are you, where you're looking? And I don't mean to be like, okay, like, you know, schmoozy here, but it has to be Christ. It has to be Christ. Oh, yeah. And in, in the church and in trust that like when Jesus said to Peter, you know, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. Do you believe that? And also, church, don't fawn over Peter because, look, he's about to put his foot in his mouth three times and deny Jesus, like, before the cock crows. You know, it's like that's a reality. Yeah. And the humanity of, of our leaders is a reality. And they will be held accountable in this life or in the next, right? Oh, like, yeah. You know, well, I mean, 
not going to be outdone in justice and in mercy. So that's going to kick in. But yeah, like, I don't know. I just think, and we were talking about this with Pat earlier, um, you know, cause he, he looked, he, uh, when he was growing up, like he, he saw McCarrick and he was, you know, and, and I talked to another friend yeah. and he was an altar server um, at a mass for McCarrick. And there was kind of like this, like, whoa, here is this prince of the church. Here is this, you know, and we get fond over, but yet we, you know, but then when this happens, we get rocked and we leave the church. So, but if we have our eyes on Christ and see like these people are supposed to signal Jesus, they're supposed to be those signs. But, you know, I think, I think that there is a clear, um, people get hurt by the church. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, I was, I, I mean, I told my story, I got laid off by the church. I, my dad had just died. I just had a new baby and here I am like unexpectedly out of work. Like it, it, it threw, I mean, it rocked me. And while I was there, believe me, I saw money being wasted. I saw poor communication. I saw people um, who really didn't have the best interests of the church at heart. I mean, there it's, it's, there, I mean, there's something real there, right? And and I think people have. It's interesting because I think there's there are areas where you where you can trust the church, but there are other areas where you can only expect the worst. Um, I mean, even like in my discussion with Christopher Lamb, it's like, is there any guarantee? Yeah, okay, the McCarrick report, and I'm not. I mean, I I don't think it was a cover up. I think it was pretty, pretty frank, especially because speaking of Franks, Pope Francis, yeah. mm -hmm. um, it, you know, there were some contradictions in what he had said before. Um, it wasn't a total whitewash. I think it was a pretty straightforward document, but it was an internal in-house document for one thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen enough times where they say, yeah, 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 we're going to change. We're going to do it this new way. We're going to be have open communication. And everyone nods their head, and then they go back and they do what they used to do. So I think having great expectations, I mean, I see the, the, the biggest success of Pope Francis's papacy as a spiritual father. Clearly, he's made mistakes in terms of personnel. Um, you know, he had to fire a cardinal that he just made, Cardinal Becciu, what, two years ago. He's he's made bad appointments. He's made bad calls. He's he slapped a lady by accident, or not by accident, but after she grabbed it. I mean... It, I saw this tape. I rewound re it a couple of times. <laughs> um, I mean, he's human. He's very... He, he is human. He is not perfect. I think he's got a good grounding in realism. And I think he has a lot to teach those of us who kind of came up in that conservative Catholic milieu where our vision, a lot of us have this vision of the church where we wanted uh, this happy church that's that's full of Orthodox families with sermons that like tell us all the doctrines that we agree with and um, and and the bad stuff is out there and somehow we're better because we, and, and what Pope Francis is saying is like, no, that kid who hasn't, you know, that was, or that guy who was baptized and had his first communion and hasn't been back to church in 22 years and um, is now working at a, you know, I don't know, uh, is a drug dealer. Like that, that guy is a Catholic too, or even if he's not Catholic, like that's somebody that is of equal worth and equal dignity. And you don't come at him by saying, 
you sinner must stop your lifestyle immediately because that's just not how you relate to people. Sure. So that's a drug dealer. I was like, he's going to say guy who works at Quiznos. Oh, that would, uh, that poor guy, that poor guy really needs to, (laughs) well, we all do. (laughs) Man. Um, what excites you about, and then this is the final thing for sure. me. Uh, what excites you, man, about like the work that you're doing at uh, where Peter is? Like, what excites you? Um, that is an excellent question. I think one of the things, oh my goodness, I think the ability as a writer and as a podcaster, and you can probably relate to that, is the ability to put into action my ideas put into um, to, to give voice to what comes to me in prayer or what comes to me in my reading um, and to be able to share that with other people um, to here's the other thing. And sorry. So that's one thing. The other thing is I about, I'd say four or five times a week, I get a, an email or um or like a messenger message or something or DM from a reader who either has just discovered our site or has been reading for a while and they can really relate to that, to that situation of either their family is, is opposed to Pope Francis or they've all bought into, or their, or their whole parish is into Taylor Marshall and they knew something wasn't right with that. And so then a part of them, um, and, and then they finally find someone who's, who's, who's interested in fidelity, who's interested in orthodoxy, is faithful to the Pope and is presenting things in a realistic, honest way. So to hear from, to hear from readers is really encouraging to me. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, where can they find you besides where Peter is? Where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Cause man, uh, we got to do a part two, but for sure. Uh, how can we support you? What can we do? Sure. Okay. So uh, the website is wherepeteris.com, all one word. Um, my Twitter is, and, and our Twitter, Facebook, our Patreon is all linked there. Um, our podcast is called Peter's Field Hospital, um, wow. which is another, Pope Francis's phrase is uh, he wants the church to be a field hospital. So uh, that can be found either at wherepeteris.com or at petersfieldhospital.com, which I just set up the other day. And it's got, it's everywhere that you subscribe to podcasts, iTunes and Google and Stitcher. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and my personal Twitter is mfjlewis. Um, so Michael Francis, James Lewis. So mfjlewis. Um, and yeah, so we're we're around and um check us out but wherepeteris.com that's awesome ladies and gentlemen you've been rocking with the best the holy ruckus podcast we've been with mike lewis we're so excited again to have had you and to develop this relationship Um, well you finally invited me it took four years for me to get my ducks in a row you're big time now buddy so are you Thank you guys. Hey, um, do check out where Peter is.com. Do not go to the other one, which is where is Peter? Cause that's something else, right? Mike? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a nickname that somebody has given to us. So don't worry about okay. it. <laughs> where Peter is.com. Mike Lewis, man. Thanks so much. And we'll see you again. Thank you. God bless. All right. Thanks guys.
check it out. Um, we'll see you next week. Uh, Father Pat and I will be back. And again, check out the website, www.theholyruckus.com for blogs, podcasts, and more at The Holy Ruckus on YouTube and Instagram. Thanks so much.